0: Welcome to Muscle Talk, where you'll get world champion advice about nutrition and stacking on muscle. Our host, Christine Enville, she's a three-time world champion bodybuilder, an IFBB professional, a food scientist, and a founding co-owner of our podcast sponsor, International Protein. In this episode, you'll learn if creatine actually works and how it works. We ask when to take it and if you can take too much. We also compare research from 10 years ago versus today's research on micellar caseins as well as hydrolyzed and isolate proteins. Okay, Christine, look, one of our listeners posted on our, a question on our Aussie Muscle Guru Facebook page. Um, his name was Wim Barzil from Belgium, and he asked the question, does creatine work? And what is creatine and how does it work?
1: Okay, well, the very, very simple answer, and you know that there's not going to be a simple answer to this, is that yes, it does work. Creatine, in fact, is one of the most researched supplements. It, uh, I looked, I did a little bit of extra research on this as well, and apparently, it's been used for over 200 years. Oh wow! Believe it or not, I didn't know it was that long. I thought it was more like about 50 years, and it actually started off in the race horse racing industry. So, just to give people a little bit of perspective. Horse races are way more valuable than human beings apparently yeah. when it comes to their money-earning potential uh, in, in athletics, I guess that is. So when it comes to making the most out of the performance, they actually look for supplements like before we actually do. So a lot of the sports supplements that we're using today like beta, beta-alanine and creatine actually kind of got discovered in the horse racing industry. So creatine has been used for a very, very long time and there's over 500 studies have been done over like the last 20 or 30 years. So that's, like that is um, that is a phenomenal amount of um, research that's gone into creatine. Now, 70% of those studies have given a, like a positive um, result in terms of, yes, it does enhance performance. Um, so whether that's what sort of spread onto them saying, oh, 30% of people are non-responders. So you might have heard that, that some people just don't respond to creatine. Um, so I don't know if that's an actual research number or if it's just because in 30% of the studies they didn't. And that was kind of how they, um, they they laid it out there. So creatine, uh, how does it work and what does it actually do, I guess, you know, given that it is one of the most researched supplements around? So it's involved in the energy production. So taking a step backwards, um, weight training is an anaerobic activity. So what that means is it doesn't use oxygen. It's, it's basically utilising your ATP and your glycolytic um, phosphorylation system. So it's essentially taking the energy that's stored in your muscle. It's not using your fat stores. Um, So it has to be using either glycogen directly or the the ATP stored in your muscle. So what creatine does is it converts the broken down ATP ATP back into fresh ATP so you can keep on working. And that's what's used in that first 10-second explosive part. And that's really what a lot of weight training is. So that's the role that creatine has is it's stored in the muscle as creatine phosphate and it's there so that when you break down the ATP, when you fire off those first reps, And then when you have your rest, it's rebuilding that ATP to give you the ability to go again and go again. So the more creatine that you have, the longer you can do that for. So what you might see is, um, you know, people get failure after doing, you know, 12 sets on a body part, but now with the creatine, you can get 15 sets. It also is related to strength. So people actually get an increase in strength from doing that, from having that extra ability to keep on replenishing that ATP and increasing their, um, their anaerobic power, basically. So um, that, that's how it works. Obviously, building up your scores of it has a massive impact on being able to keep going for longer. And it also is, you know, when people are playing football or basketball or those kind of um, activities where they have kind of like an aerobic phase and then they have like a sprint phase and they have to go from, you know, zero to 100 and, and keep being able to pull out that repeated um, performance of, um, you, know, high, you know, high intensity work. That's where also the creatine has a very important role. So it's it's not just purely in weight training activities. It's in your aerobic anaerobic type activities where you have to keep on being able to come up and and have a real blast of explosive energy. So that's that's pretty much how it works. Uh, it is present in food. So it's present in the meat. Meat has a certain content, um, particularly red meat. Uh, a little bit less in in chicken and stuff, but. You'd have to eat like a kilo of meat to get about five grams or not quite five grams of creatine. So obviously supplementation is really important because you get that amount that you need you know, relatively quickly. Um, it does store in the muscle. Um, but what, what, I've, what I've got here is I went to the International Society of Sports Nutrition because, you know, obviously I, I kind of have the opinion that anything to do with like whether it be the Institute of Sport or anything like that, they, they have a very anti-supplement kind of philosophy um, they believe that you know food is is it um, so to have something from the international society of sports nutrition that actually endorses creatine as an effective supplement um, and there was nine points that they put down and um, just to kind of c- capture a couple of them they say creatine monohydrate is the most effective ergogenic nutritional supplement currently available to athletes in terms of increasing high intensity energy capacity and lean body mass during training mm-hmm. so to me that Kind of says the endorsement. It also, yeah. It's quite the endorsement. It's not only safe, but possibly beneficial in regards to pre- preventing in- injury and or management of select medical conditions when taken with the, within re- recommended guidelines. There's no scientific evidence that short or long term use of creatine monohydrate has any detrimental effects on otherwise healthy individuals. Now, I'm going to um, stop there for a minute because it talks about creatine monohydrate most people are probably aware that now there's a lot of different forms of creatine on the market there's like creatine um hcl creatine akg basically that's the creatine molecule but it's bound with another another molecule, chemical molecule um, in in the attempt to get a better uptake of the, of the the creatine so one thing that we do know about creatine is that it breaks down very very rapidly into a couple of byproducts which are actually quite toxic to the body um creatinine being one of those so I'm going to, I guess, talk about international protein here because we have a creatine product called Creatolyn, which is actually is still a creatine monohydrate. So it is actually the, the monohydrate form which all the research has been done on. But it has been um, treated in a way to, to change the pH of the molecule so that when you take it in, um, you know, by the time it processes through your body, it doesn't get down below the pH 7, which is where the creatine starts to break down. So what that means is that what goes in, so you take three grams you get closer to that three grams going all the way through to get absorbed um, into your system. If you just take regular, you know, run-of-the-mill creatine monohydrate, that three grams, they they believe that about one gram is actually what still remains as creatine and doesn't get broken down into those, those toxic byproducts. So when I say toxic byproducts, a lot of people associate creatine with like diarrhea and stomach cramps and things like that. Cause it's basically pulling all the water in to try to dilute it. So yeah. So, so you know, just, so was, little, oh,
0: this is a story that this is going to love this. I was 15. I was taking creatine cause it was, the, I don't know, I'd seen something that advertised it or whatever. And, um, I remember, like it, 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 just made me fart. It made me <laughs> fart really badly, to the point where I remember I was sitting in science class and I actually got ordered out of the class. Like, literally, I was farting up the front of the class. No, it was no, sorry, it was the accounting class. And they, and and they thought it was the science lab downstairs, oh. so it definitely has an effect <laughs> on the body. It's not ideal. Probably too young to be taking it in the first place, but
1: it, 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 not not for everybody in that situation. But I think if you had had our creatine, you may not have had that problem. Yeah, because right. <laughs> a lot of people do associate creatine with puffiness and bloating, because obviously it does pull water into the body, and there was a lot of the, um a lot of the time people thought, oh, the, the weight gain is only due to the actual water gain, but that's actually not the case. There is actually actual muscle synthesis happening. It is a much longer term thing. So over a six-month period of use, you do actually gain more lean muscle. So,
0: um, so on that water thing, it, does it, like, uh, I don't know that much about it, but does it sort of help you store more?
1: Yes, in the muscle. In the muscle. Yeah, because yeah. that's where the creatine is stored. Yeah. Like it's actually as that creatine phosphate inside the actual muscle it's not it's, it's basically i think more than 90 percent of it is stored in that place in your body there's yeah. obviously some floating around in your bloodstream and probably a little bit in your liver but majority of it is actually in the muscle and hence why it, it draws the water into the muscle but it also um does leave it subcutaneous as well so it's like outside of the muscle but under the skin and that's where that kind of puffiness comes from and i think that um you know that's what they say with the the creat the, the creole is that it doesn't give you that side effect. So I think a lot of it is not actually the creatine; it's the breakdown products of creatine that are causing that water retention external to the muscle. Right. So that just you know it, it get a better quality creatine is basically what that's kind of saying. If you if you're suffering from that puffiness,
0: and you talked about it being sort of almost injury preventing, right? It's, so is that is that related to the water absorption as well?
1: Or just they they don't. I as in I. I hadn't read a lot on that um, because I know that there was a period of time when creatine was associated with injury, as in people were tearing muscles and things and they were blaming the creatine for that. I would say it probably is the protective effect of having more water in the muscle because a lot of the time, you know, when when you are too dry uh, and you're very dehydrated, that is when a lot of the time injury occurs. So water actually creates stability around the muscle and particularly water in the right places in the joint like when it's inside of the little fluid sacs not out like when you when you've got a swollen joint that's when the the fluid's outside of where it's supposed to be and it's causing swelling but when it's in the protective um like you have like little water bags inside of your body and that's you know so if that's all fully hydrated then that's definitely going to help with the injury prevention but I, i would say it's also all to do with the fact that you've got the like you know when you fatigue and you're struggling to do something but you're still doing it and you're doing it with weight that's often when injury occurs it's because you don't have the strength to really control the weight Mm -hmm. so i think having that strength and that ability to, to actually execute the rep properly would also have a lot to do with why the injury prevention is there because you actually have the strength to control it because as i said a lot of the time injury happens when you're working outside of your natural um i guess your natural strength range you're pushing you try to you know get the gains and that's how you do that and if you are fatigued and you kind of accidentally go slightly out of alignment with the with the rep then um that's that's when the injury tends to happen so um so that was um i'll just say a couple more points off of this where they said that um, the addition of carbohydrates and protein to a creatine supplement appears to increase the muscular retention Although the effect on performance measures may not, may not be greater than taking the creatine creatine alone, so that to me was really really interesting because again back way 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 back when creatine first hit the market, there was some some really popular products where they loaded it up with like ninety grams of sugars, because there was a lot of studies around saying oh you know it stores more creatine if you take it with all this sugar and some people kind of bought into that and then other people were like oh my god that's a lot of sugar, um, so it, it appears there that the creatine itself is all you need, which is great news for people who are trying to diet or um, you know, watch their calories and want to gain lean muscle mass, that they don't need to take a whole pile of sugar in with the creatine to still get the same effect of the actual um, creatine there. Again, they talk about the loading because that was another popular thing of having to sort of load the creatine over a 5- to 10-day period and then get your, your muscle basically saturated with it and then kind of go from there. But something like Crealcalin, you know, they say we don't need to load that particular material. You do get the effect straight away. And I definitely find that. And, um, you know, when we talk about that non responder thing, I know I myself, again, when creatine first came out, um, I didn't get a lot out of it. Um, just the basic creatine want to hydrate. But when I do use the Creolclin, I definitely feel like it impact on my strength more than anything. And that ability to sort of do a few more reps on an actual set, that's the, uh, the impact that I really notice.
0: So how do you use it? Do you use it all the time or a uh, period on, a period yep. off? Uh, and, and when do you take it? And tell
1: yeah. us more about that. With, with the Creolclin, well any type of product say particularly the creatine, um the recommendation is to take it 45 minutes before your training session mm-hmm. reason being is that because it is that ph buffered it does take a little bit longer to then get you know back down into the test and, and you know broken down so it's passed through the stomach but it hasn't been destroyed um but it does take a little bit longer because of that ph buffering um with regular creatine it's like about a half an hour before training so before training if you want that immediate impact on your training, um, if you're looking for muscle growth from it, most people would put it in their post-workout shake uh, and have have a, a serving of it after they've trained. And that's a, as I said, that's kind of the longer-term muscle building impact of it. But the actual effects before, you know, before training or before a match, um, have it in that specific time frame. Um, some people maybe still want do load, but you only need to do that once. And then once you're up and running, then you just take it pre-workout. So I would recommend that having it on your training days, you know, either pre and post or just pre, depending on what you're we're trying to do. Like you'll still get the muscle building effect if you use it pre, but, you know, if you want to have like the full effect of it, um, have it pre and post, particularly like females who aren't eating a lot of red meat uh, really should be looking at supplementing with creatine if they're trying to grow muscle. It's not something that is related to sport, but there's a lot more research to be done still. It actually has promising um increasing the cognitive function of older people so you know um, improving alzheimer's Mm -hmm. um and just basically improving you know that i guess hand-eye coordination and that kind of thing in people as they age so definitely a supplement to keep on taking for the over 40 crowd into the going into the over 60s and over 70s or even looking at getting your parents on it not from the point of view of um, them going out and doing a massive workout but just in terms of um maintaining their brain function um Also the ability to recall things, you know, fill out forms, you know, how people kind of get a little bit confused as they get older. uh, It's meant to help with that kind of thing. Interesting. So, yeah, not sport related, but definitely uh, has other health health implications and benefits. There's still more research to be done.
0: Interesting. So is there a point where you can have too much?
1: Um, I think it's one of those things where the too much you're just going to end up excreting it. Um, I don't know whether they're, I haven't read a lot, but I'm sure that there's. you'll probably get like a fishy smell or you'll start to kind of like get an unusual odour about yourself if you're having too much. I don't think it's going to impact your kidneys. Like they've done so much research that I know they would have checked if there was any kind of toxicity level, which of course there would be. But it, you know, there comes a point where you probably wouldn't be able to afford the amount that you would need to cause yourself any damage. Um, but just to do keep in mind though that if you are taking more, that you will need to drink more. Right. So, if, so there would be a problem if you were taking a lot of creatine and not, you know, take, having a, the right amount of fluid intake. So, if you were taking, you know, only a liter of water a day, but you know, having you know five ten grams of creatine, you're definitely going to be putting a lot of stress onto your kidneys.
0: And you mentioned in another podcast, how much water do you have a day?
1: Um, I actually don't count, but I I would be aiming for probably about four to five liters. Right. I, I've had times in competitions where I've gotten, as I said, to a point of like. To lower sodium and the water would literally go in and come straight through but you'd be thirsty and i'd be up around 11 or 12 liters so if, you, if anyone's up around that level that's not that's not good it's too much yeah <laughs> um you know i think that four to five liter mark is is really good too if you're training if you live in queensland is definitely way too low obviously the colder it is the you know the less that you sweat so the less that you tend to need to drink but i would say that two would be like an absolute absolute bare minimum um for someone who's training i would say probably three liters is more like you your bottom mark and six liters being your top mark um it really depending on how like how much you're taking when you train because some people can drink a lot when they train i can't like i you know maybe if i go through a litre while i'm training i'm doing well but i know some guys can go through four liters just in a training session so um, and again that is related to your body mass so you know there might be some bigger guys who do need to drink up around that eight liter mark but just the average person it's probably about four to five
0: Interesting stuff. This was a really, really interesting uh, podcast. Look, um, let's move on to a another question. Uh, we've had Piero Gona, a.k.a. Pete, so we call him Pete. Uh, he's on our Aussie Muscle Guru Facebook page as well, and he is saying, look, what's the current research on the different types of proteins? So 10 years ago when he was competing, uh, micellar casein was the best before-bed protein. So what is it now is, you know, how about the hydrolyzed versus the isolate?
1: Cool. Okay. So fortunately with um, the research from 10 years ago, they got it right. So it's not like anything's really changed in terms of, um, you know, all of a sudden now, you know, it's it's quicker acting or, you know, it's quicker to break down than what we thought. So micellar casein and cal- calcium caseinate are both what we call slow release proteins. So hence why the before bed, I personally, don't believe that you should be taking just that type of protein before bed because what do you do for the eight hours until it really hits your system to me something like our synergy which has a mixture of fast medium slow release is much better because you're starting to get it from pretty much when you go to sleep all throughout the night and then also in the morning when you wake up whereas if something's very very slow you pretty much you're taking it before you go to bed but you're sleeping all night with it not really getting into your system so that's just you know my thoughts on on. Um, protein timing and that type of thing. But we, we now obviously have more focus on hydrolyzed protein. So now with hydrolyzed, again, that's just basically an enzyme goes into the mixture of all the protein and it basically Cleaves the natural bonds which that enzyme is designed to cleave. So it doesn't cleave every single bond, it cleaves specific ones. So they obviously select the enzyme for the protein type to do what they need it to do. Uh, But you can do that to any protein type. So you can do that to a casein and you can make it very, very quickly absorbed. So, casein point, obviously, uh, International Proteins Amino Recovery has a hydrolyzed casein as its main ingredient. So about six grams of the protein in that is all coming from hydrolyzed casein. So it's taken the amino acid profile that exists in casein, which is actually really great for recovery, which is why it was always such a shame that it was in a, um, a slow-release protein because it has a really great um, arginine content, has a, a really great glutamine content but they weren't accessible by the body rapidly when they were needed straight after training. And that's why the the hydrolyzed casein is such a wonderful product for recovery is because it's got a great amino acid profile for that, but now it gets in really, really quickly. Like it gets in virtually instantly um, because the degree of hydrolysis, so like how much of that casein has been hydrolyzed is also very, very high. It's over about 60%. Now, people will hear something's things oh, are 100% hydrolyzed and and you know think oh my god that means like the whole thing's hydrolyzed what that actually means is that you know how I talked about the enzyme is designed to cleave specific bonds it means that that enzyme has cleaved all of the bonds that it could cleave but it doesn't mean to say that that's 100% of the protein so you can still have a 5% hydrolyzed product but but that 5% it is a hundred percent of what that enzyme was designed to hydrolyze. Right,
0: so this is marketing
1: again. It, is it? It's marketing yeah. again, a hundred percent, because if anyone has ever tried a hundred percent something which is very, very high degree of hydrolysis, is, is so bitter. Like it's so bitter, it's unpalatable, and people generally can't take those kind of products. So, what obviously they, you know, it's a compromise between functionality and acceptability, palatability. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like the. Um, the the hydrolyzed casing which is a very very high degree of of hydrolysis so you know about 60 percent of that protein like literally physically 60 percent of it has been broken up into diet di and peptides, so it's very very rapidly absorbed probably more than any other um hydrolyzed protein on the market that i've come across most of them sit around that sort of five maybe up to about 25 percent in actual physical by weight how much has been hydrolyzed even if it says 100 on the thing so we now have a situation where you can have hydrolyzed whey protein isolate and a hydrolyzed casein. So both are now very, very rapidly absorbed because that's basically anything that's hydrolyzed is rapidly absorbed. And I'm not sure if we mentioned it before, but also now there's plant um, hydrolyzed plant proteins, which is awesome because plant proteins are, are what we call a medium digestion protein. So where the casein is very, very slow, it, it, you know, it's funnily with, with you know whey because of the structure and casein is very, very different the way naturally being very quickly absorbed and the casein very very slow um it seems like most of the plant proteins and medium so whether it's pea whether it's soy whether it's rice whether it's coming from what's some of the new ones that are coming out some of the bean type products that are coming out hemp all that all very much like a four hour um digestion time so to be able to hydrolyze those and give you the great benefits of a plant protein but in a hydrolyzed form is pretty exciting so that's in the plant power, international protein plant power that should be out by um, end of July, if not before. And you
0: actually recommended that as a really good big-time protein, correct? Evening protein.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, something which has got a blend of fast, medium and slow. So something like that would be fine. Also, our synergy would be Mm -hmm. fine because we built that in in terms of putting hydrolyzed whey, whey isolate, whey concentrate, egg albumin which also falls into the medium so egg and egg and plant proteins are roughly about the same in terms of digestion people think egg white is really really quick to digest because of how it kind of doesn't really make you like it makes you hungry really quickly if you're just eating egg white for some reason i think because it has nothing else with it there's no carbs really to speak of there's no fats or, or anything like that and it just seems to vanish from your stomach but it actually is still quite slow to break down through the digestive system which is quite interesting so, you know, we built a product that naturally had that stream of um, all the different breakdown speeds of proteins. So not only did you have the different amino acid profiles from each product, so some have got, you know, as I said, you know, higher arginine and glutamine and other ones are higher branch chain. So you've got a whole range of different amino acid profiles coming in to complement each other. And then you also have a whole range of different speeds of digestion. So you're constantly have that influx of amino acids coming into the bloodstream to keep you in a positive nitrogen balance, which is very important for muscle growth. You know, in summing it up, we have the, the quick acting to hydrolyzed proteins, you know, are pretty much digested straight away. Like they're, they're pre-digested, basically. That's what hydrolyzed means. Um, so they absorb literally within that, you know, one to five minute, through to the 15-minute mark. They're pretty much where they're supposed to be, up and into your bloodstream. Then you have your isolate, which is about that 15, 10, 15 minute to half an hour, and then you have your whey protein concentrates which are about half an hour to two hours and then you have all your plant proteins in your egg album, which is about up to your four hours and then you have your caseins and whether it be calcium caseinate or micellar casein so while micellar is still in a native form and calcium caseinate has been chemically modified and bonded with a calcium it also can be bonded with sodium or potassium but they're not they're not well sorry the sodium version is commonly used in beverage whitener so when people see a non-dairy creamer it's actually on sodium caseinate normally so it is on dairy but it's not coming from dairy fat if that makes sense another marketing point yeah <laughs> might be vegetable oil with sodium caseinate but that basically has a certain property and that's why that sodium caseinate is used whereas in nutritional supplements it's generally not used because of the sodium content being very very high and the calcium is way more desirable and the texture that it has in in products so either of those two products is about it up to eight hour breakdown period um there is no difference i actually had the, the question come up years ago so i actually emailed one of the dairy companies in france that specialized in casings and asked them that question and they said no they were they had done research in-house and that they were actually the same digestion rate so As I said, nothing's really changed over the last 10 years in the fact that they haven't suddenly discovered that they were wrong and they digest at different rates. Um, That all still holds true, but there's now more access to hydrolyzed forms of um, protein. So you get that really rapid uptake with a variety of the different amino acid profiles. So that's essentially that, Pete. Okay,
0: well, I just want to say thank you to our listeners, Wim and Pete, for asking those questions on our Aussie Muscle Guru Facebook page. So if anybody else wants to get involved, feel free, jump on, join the group, and fire away your questions. We do give uh, random giveaways to people that are asking these questions as well. So, Christine, thank you very much. Thanks, Ash. Words of Wisdom. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review and recognise that these bodybuilding tips from International Protein are free. So show your support by becoming a loyal International Protein customer, the best supplements money can buy. So jump online, hunt down our product and hit that buy now button.